Each time we embark on a new season of Advent, I always look forward to hearing a beautiful rendition of O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. It's one of my favorite hymns, whether it's done as a Latin chant or by a contemporary bluegrass band. And I'm sure you've heard the lyrics. It starts off, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel, that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appear. During her history, Israel had suffered various forms of captivity. First, there was the time of slavery in Egypt, when the Israelites were slaves to Pharaoh. The Jews then escaped and wandered in the desert for 40 years, this time captive to their own sins and idolatries that kept them from the promised land. Then the Jews had finally taken the land of Israel, but constantly fell into evil in the eyes of the Lord, and so they were continually punished and conquered by their enemies. Until then, God would allow a new leader to arise among them who would banish the enemy and restore peace. The Jews then decided that they would like to have a king like the nations around them in order to bring about greater unity. And although Saul is the first king, it is his successor, David, who establishes the prototype kingship of Israel, which is a model of justice and righteousness. But each succeeding generation of kings, beginning with David's successor Solomon, drives the Israelites further into division and idolatry, until finally the kingdoms of Judah and Israel were conquered and the people exiled to Babylon for 70-some years. And even when the Israelites were able to return to their promised land of their ancestors, they were never able again to establish Israel as an independent nation-state. They continued to be dominated by outsiders, first the Persians, and then the Greeks, and then finally the Romans. At the time of Christ, the Jews lived under the kingship of Herod, but he was only a client king subservient to Rome. Herod himself was only half Jewish, and his commitment to the Jewish religion was questionable. Yet despite this fact, it was Herod who controlled the rebuilding of the temple, and who appointed the Jewish high priests. Further, to add insult to injury, Herod had at one point even taken a Jewish wife in an attempt to ingratiate himself to the Jewish people. Her name was Mary, and she was the last in the Maccabee line. Yet eventually, Herod had her and her three sons that she bore for him killed because he felt that they threatened his own power. And with that, the final royal Jewish line was extinguished. Now Israel could see no way out of this continued domination. Interestingly, after Herod killed his wife Mary, thus ending the Jewish royal dynasty, many Jewish families in the area took to naming their daughters Mary as a kind of protest. And so we can see that even by her name, the Blessed Virgin Mary, the mother of Jesus, was a sign of the suffering that Israel was undergoing. This too is the reason why there are so many Marys, other Marys besides the Blessed Virgin Mary mentioned in the Gospels. So it was a dark time for Israel, but made more so by the fact that the Jews, looking back upon their history, could only say there were a lot of low points. There weren't too many high points. For most of our history, we have been falling into sin and slavery. 
we never kept God's law very well or for very long. And right now we are under domination again, and we have no way to get out of it. In a sense, our own journey as Christians is somewhat like Israel's. How many times have we sinned and failed? How many times have we confessed the same things over and over and over again? How many times have we resolved to grow closer to the Lord in prayer, in penance, and in acts of charity, and yet we have little to show for it? For Israel, in their darkest hour, their umpteenth experience of exile, whether it was physical or spiritual, it was at this time that Christ came into their world. The Lord had made a promise to Israel and to Judah. I will raise up for David a just shoot. He shall do what is right and just in the land. In those days, Judah will be safe and Jerusalem will dwell secure. The Lord kept that promise in sending his son to dwell among us. No matter how many times we have gone through the season of Advent as Christians in our lives, most of us can't help but be weighed down by our sins in the past. All the times we have said, this year will be different. This Christmas I will truly rejoice in my salvation rather than merely celebrate the season. But how many times have we failed to do even that? Too often we are what our Lord warns against in the gospel. Beware that your hearts do not become drowsy from carousing and drunkenness and the anxieties of daily life, and that day catch you by surprise like a trap. We treat this season of Advent as a time of partying, or sometimes mere indifference and resignation. Yet Holy Mother Church gives us the season of Advent each year as a sign of new hope, as a sign of the fact that no matter what happened before, no matter how many cycles of sin and failure we have been through, that there is always reason to hope again. Each year we have this Advent season, as St. Paul says, so that the Lord will give us the gift to increase and abound in love, so that our Lord will strengthen our hearts to be blameless in holiness before God our Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. No matter how many times we have failed in the past, this invitation is always open to us until Christ comes again. Israel had that hope long ago, that Christ, their Messiah, would come. How much more we can have it as Christians, knowing that Christ came once before, so that we can have the faith that soon he will come again.